Hello and welcome to another TNC exclusive podcast. I am buzzing, excited and super pumped to be speaking with this guy today. A former League Cup winner, Ipswich Town destroyer, Wembley winner and goal scorer in Norwich City folklore forever. And nope, I'm still not over his disallowed overhead kick against Crystal Palace. 130 Norwich City appearances and 38 glorious goals. Oh, Cameron Jerome. Cam, how you how doing? Nice to see you. How are you? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. You're, um, what, what's going on? You've just landed ahead of your big game tomorrow, right? Yeah, we're just up in Newcastle. We've got Sunderland tomorrow. So just, just in the hotel, just chilling, really. Um, obviously, long journey up. So, yeah, yeah. Just chilling out in the room. There's not, not much to do, is there? COVID times, I mean. No, exactly, mate restricted to eating even downstairs so we'll just got to have dinner in our rooms and a long old night ahead, ahead of well, well uh I'll, I'll ask you about russ in a minute but it's not so bad because you've got the norfolk cafu looking after you cam if you if you don't mind um my friend we, i want to really take you right back to the beginning of your career um am i right in saying you were a trainee at huddersfield grimsby sheffield wednesday middlesbrough and um, at what point did you think Right, I can do this now. I can become a professional footballer. What was that moment? Um, to be honest with you, like all those clubs, I was sort of like trialing. Like I yeah. was sort of at, like the age of like sixteen. I didn't have like a scholarship or I wasn't in an academy. I was at Huddersfield when I was up like nine till thirteen, and then after that, okay. I stopped playing football. I went back to like local Sunday leagues and just like my local team, and ended up playing a summer tournament. And uh, I got invited to a couple of sort of trials and stuff like that off the back of doing well there and then that's where I sort of like not bounced around but went here and there for a couple of trials and you know extended periods at other clubs and a week here and it just didn't sort of like materialize at a particular point you know what I mean I mean it was quite difficult back then because you had to be in a certain age bracket to have a scholarship sort of thing so yeah, yeah it was pretty it was pretty tough to be honest with you I mean it, it got to the point where like I think Cardiff was the like the last sort of time I would have probably trialed I probably would have chucked it after that to be fair because I'd gone to three or four been close and they're not quite sort of done enough to to sort of uh turn people's attention so yeah it was it was kind of where i probably was fortunate enough to to sort of make the breakthrough there but in a sense it was sort of for me it was a you know a time where i needed to otherwise i probably would have you know maybe given up you know sort of thing i was going to say actually cam that you, you spoke there about you know potentially you know what was the moment that you thought potentially you might have to have to stack it as you as you said um was was what was what was sort of the, the, the moment that you... Was there ever a moment that you thought, I'm going to need to create a plan B here? Or was there only ever one plan? Um, I didn't really have a plan B, to be honest with you. I mean, I was sort of... I was at Sheffield Wednesday. I got offered a contract there. It was a short-term one, but yeah. I know it sounds quite bad saying it, but I was 16, 17, and I'd done really, really well. You know what I mean? I'd broken into the reserves. off Someone who's been off trial, yeah. you know, doing well in their youth team scoring goals and they offered me a short-term contract and they offered other people who had not done as well as me who was on the same sort of trial basis longer-term contracts right okay so i thought that was a little bit like nah, maybe it was just maybe them just not wanting to take a, a whole gamble on me as such so i mean middlesbrough at the time they was probably the best youth team in terms of they won the youth cup and stuff like that and they said right. Look, you're on trial there you've not committed to anything come and give it a shot here you know we really like the look of you so i sort of went up there i had six or seven weeks up there did really well again, and it was just down to one person's opinion. And he was the academy manager, and you know everyone else said, "Yeah, I thought I was getting a contract." Would sort of agree the contract, and then you know last minute it sort of didn't materialise. So that was a you know quite a big blow to be fair. But you know luckily enough, I had Cardiff there as a, a sort of backup, and it was um, Paul Wilkinson who was assistant manager at the time. He took me down there because uh, I knew him through you know local teams and stuff like that. At Grimsby, he was assistant manager there when I had a little trial up there. So. It was up to him, really. Wilco just said, look, come here. And obviously, he knew about the Middlesbrough thing. He, you know, he, he obviously sympathised with me. He said, look, we'll, you know, we'll probably take a little look at you, but there's a you know, strong chance you'll get something down here sort of thing. So, you know, that was sort of the last sort of uh, last chance saloon, as they say, for me. So, yeah, I was fortunate enough to to sort of make something of it going down there. But, yeah, I mean, it's obviously tough, isn't it, you know, for these... Yeah. I can sympathise with these sort of younger players now who are sort of getting to that point where they need to sort of prove to a certain level that they can add something what they're what something's or you know what they they've got something what a club's sort of looking for so yeah for me in that perspective it was just like you know it just fitted in it was just timing really i guess i suppose 
And and can we'll, we'll fly through your former clubs before we get to the, the the mighty yellows. I'm fascinated to understand a little bit more about your time at Birmingham City. Two promotions, two relegations, and of course a League Cup. Just de- describe your your time at Birmingham because to me that just sounds absolutely bonkers. Yeah, I mean, I, I've not really got a bad word to say about Birmingham to be fair, because I mean they took me from Cardiff. They just got relegated at the time. Um, and it was brilliant. Steve Bruce was there, you know, a group supporting Man United. So it was a, you know, someone who needs to look up to us as a sort of idol. So, you know, it was it was fantastic. We went there in the first season. We had a really good, young, hungry, energetic squad. We got promoted. Uh, we think we finished second to Sunderland that, that year. Uh, we got an automatic promotion. So that was really good. Got to the Premier League. Obviously, um, the hierarchy didn't really spend or recruit well. So we, we struggled a lot in the Premier League that year. Obviously, came straight back down. Uh, I think, the gaffer actually left and went to Wigan then. Um, and then uh, we got in, I think it was Alex McLeish. Yeah, Alex McLeish got us up. We got promoted. Yeah. Uh, we got that, that, that time we actually did recruit quite well. We recruited quite a lot of experienced pros. Kevin Phillips, um, Lee Carsley, Marcus Bent, Stephen Carr came at the back end of the season. So we recruited quite well. And we, was, um, we had a good mix of sort of players. We had a good you know, core of younger players still. Who had talent, and then we had them experienced heads who had been there, done that at the top top level, and they sort of seen us through. We, again, we came second to uh, I think it was uh, I can't remember off the top of my head who won it that year, but yeah, we come second again, so another automatic promotion, and then um, we stayed in the Premier League for another year. Then after that, uh, we finished ninth. I think it's the highest in Birmingham's you know recent history. Uh, we had a really good squad that year. We had a lot of uh, good players and a lot of sort of players who sort of fit at the Premier League mould at that particular point. Uh, we signed some good players, in Roger Johnson, uh, Scott Dan, you know, so our defence was, was yeah. quite rock solid and, you know, we managed to score goals as well. So, um, yeah, that was a good season, actually, finishing ninth for Birmingham. And then, I think the following season, that's when we won the League Cup, beating Arsenal in the in the final. And then, obviously, we had a horrendous run towards the last sort of nine, ten games where we couldn't win, win for love or money and we sort of slipped towards the trap door and then we got injuries at the last sort of five or six weeks which just crippled us and we you know we we couldn't keep our neck above the line so yeah that was it was quite tough actually it's quite a bizarre year winning the cup doing yeah well, and then getting relegated you know off the back of it so it was a bit of a yeah it's a bit of a blow that one but it, it was a good time you know Birmingham was young I had a few different managers um I was probably still learning a lot still then about football and the football world and stuff like that but yeah it was a, it was a great club really good mm. good um club to be at um it's a shame, you know, they couldn't they couldn't stay in that year because I thought, you know, we had a change of ownership in that period as well. The Chinese owners came in. And, uh, yeah, it was all going on. <laughs> yeah, it was all going on. Yeah, there's too much going on behind the scenes, you know. They had yeah. guys coming in and I think they obviously ended up getting into trouble off the back of the takeover and stuff like that. I think it's quite publicised what happened. But, um, mm. yeah, another one where they sort of invested a little bit bad as well, you know. looking at, Looking back at things, I thought, you know, the manager sort of was identifying really good players and you know good experienced players, um, players what was fitting his mould and the style of football he wanted to play and mm-hmm. he was having success of it. And then the new guys come in, they get different ideas and they want to change certain things. And you know it's never sometimes a change for the good, is it? And and speaking of style of football, Cam, let's talk about the thirty first of August, twenty eleven. You make a move from Birmingham to Tony Pulis's Stoke City. He's quite he's quite heavily criticised for his style of football. Do you, do you think that's justified? Because I, I think it's fair to say that you were used there as an impact sub, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, uh, at the time, we had uh, quite a big strike force there at Stoke. Um, Crouchy? Crouchy, Kenwin Jones, myself, Jonathan Walters, and there's okay. a few others, Ricardo Fuller, um, there was, I think there's five or six of us. So he had a certain style of playing, but it was effective. It, it works, you know. Um, obviously, yeah. Tony took them up from the from the championship to the Premier League, and obviously, he was, you know, he was highly successful for you know a long, long period of time. But again, when people want change, it just goes to show change isn't always necessarily for the good. You know, you just sometimes if it's not broke, don't fix it, sort of thing. But um, you know, I think that sort of ran it cause in itself in terms of the club wanting to go a different direction. In, in terms of a new manager and maybe, you know, a different identity in terms of style of football or whatever. But, yeah. you know, you can never knock someone of that ilk who's been in the game as long mm-hmm. as he's been in the game 
and he's had all the success in the game what he's had. So, um, yeah, it was a good move for me at the time. Um, obviously, it was good to stay in the Premier League and, you know, we had, you know, good times at Stoke. We, we managed to be in the Europa League competition, which was fantastic. We, I think we got to the quarterfinals, we lost to Valencia, which was which is a nice sort of experience to be part of playing in the Europa League and, you know, uh, it's just something different adding add, add to your CV. So, yeah, that was that was a good time, to be honest with you. But, you know, maybe not have been a first-team regular as I would have liked or would have hoped, but nevertheless, you were still, you know, part of something which was quite successful for, for two or three years. So, that was, yeah, that was obviously just before I, I joined the Mighty Yellows. <laughs> And then, and then it's, it's like you're a natural cam. You can come on again. 20th of August, 2014, you finally moved to, as you've said, the Mighty Yellows. Describe your your, your thoughts and feelings as, as you walked through the, 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 the Colney Gates because you'd just been at Crystal Palace as well as Stoke. Did you, is it fair to say that that was, was that a step, did you feel like that was potentially a step down for you? Um, maybe at the time because I, I mean, I shouldn't have actually gone to Crystal Palace. I know people might say why, and but in my head, I just sort of I had a frustrating couple of years at Stoke where I went when I was injured and never managed to sort of have a, a real succession of, of games and a consistent run of the team. I was always in and out and sort of used as a as a squad player, yeah, you know, on rotation. A few of us was, to be honest with you. We had a big squad, but he had a core of players who we liked to pick, and that's just the way the style of the manager, that's how he likes to work sort of thing. And um, when he left, uh, a new manager came in, I had a really good pre-season. It was Mark Hughes at the time. And I think the first two or three games I was on the bench again, I was thinking like, here we go again. Yeah, new manager's coming. I was a bit disillusioned, obviously thinking, well, I'm doing enough in training. I've had a really good, strong pre-season and, and I'm still finding myself on the bench. So obviously Palace came in alone and I thought, well, it's a Premier League club. Why not go and play football for a year at least? I maybe shouldn't have done. I maybe probably rushed into that one. But in saying that, uh, I was part of something good again at Crystal Palace where no one gave him a chance to stay in the league. We managed to do that and finish quite high in the end. So that was obviously, um, you know, it was a different experience and it was a good experience. I enjoyed myself. Uh, I managed to play a lot of games, which is always important. And obviously went back to Stoke. And then the manager obviously there said to me, look, because you've gone away, you, you know, I've made up a plan and it's going to be difficult for you to break in. So obviously that's when the Norwich uh, move came around. And then... You know, I didn't necessarily want to move out of the Premier League, but I just thought, well, the whole setup was a Premier League setup. They had the players, the infrastructure, everything in place. What suggested to me they was going to have a go at getting back up. So I thought, yeah. well, if I'm going to go anywhere, I wouldn't want to go to someone who's maybe not got a realistic chance, in my opinion, yeah. of getting straight back into the Premier League. And obviously Norwich, with the players they was keeping, the squad they sort of kept together at that point. Mm. And, you know, I was under promises what they was not going to sell any more players. So I thought, well... Yeah. For me, it was a no-brainer that squad gets promoted. So that's obviously how the move came around. And you know, when I came down, obviously seeing the squad and seeing the guys for the first couple of times, I was like, well, yeah, we've got a right chance. And obviously, it turned out to be a a good move. I was going to say it definitely turned out well, mate. And so you speak there about obviously when you first arrived and, and you looked at the at the squad that we'd managed to retain. Who who were the players for you where you thought, yeah, they're they're Premier League players at Norwich City? Well, I mean, at the time, you had, you know, Redmond, who was a young yeah. player. He just started his first sort of year in the Premier League. But I knew him from Birmingham anyway, so I knew of his talent. Yeah, of course. Obviously, they told me about the, the Murphy twins. Um, obviously, seeing them sign Kyle Lafferty, keep Gary Hooper, sign Lewis Graben, who had come off a couple of good seasons at Bournemouth. Obviously, keeping people like Russ. Obviously, John Ruddy, who had been cut by England the year before or the year mm. before that. You know what I mean? Obviously, Bradley Johnson. You know, then, you know, Michael Turner was there. You know, it just had that core of players who had had that exposure at the top championship level and in the Premier League. So for me, it was just like, well, you know, why wouldn't I join something what has got the potential to be, you know, uh, moving forward in, in the right direction? And, you know, obviously that's where I, I saw the squad and saw the players they retained, like you said. And, you know, it, for me, it was sort of uh, an easy decision, really. When you when you were about to sign Cam, I'm really interested in getting a bit of an insight from you on this because of your um, because of your experience at Stoke and Crystal Palace. Did Norwich promise you game time, and, and was that was that like what like what were the main factors in you making the move to Norwich? I'm really interested because I know you're saying the setup and the squad, which is obviously massive, but were you promised game time at Norwich? Because was uh, that the reason why or? 
No, not all. I mean, they just signed two other strikers, so they wouldn't then go around. Yeah, and, true, true. And say, well, you're going to be number one all of a sudden. It was just, it was up for grabs. And I yeah. always back myself, you know, like I have done from the start of my career, going to any club and, and playing games. And I've always done that. I've always played everywhere I've been. Um, so, yeah, I just thought, well, there's 46 games. There's going to be enough games to go around. You go down there, you score goals, and you'll get the shirt. It's as simple as that. And that's how it sort of, you know, materialised, really. I mean, the first sort of games, I was on, on, coming off the bench, obviously, because, you know, it's been about four or five games into the season. And then after that, I sort of managed to establish myself, you know, hit a, a, a run of form and, you know, score a few goals. And obviously that was with, with Neil. And then, unfortunately, he... He sort of uh, parted ways with the club and, you know, Alex came in then and, you know, obviously Alex was, um, yeah, it was different to what Neil was like as a, as a person and as a, as a yeah. coach and, you know, he got an instant response and a fine tune out of the squad and, you know, I think the club was obviously looking for that at the time because, you mm-hmm. know, we were struggling. We wasn't really going anywhere. We had a, a bad patch and, you know, we was underachieving really for that league and that level yeah. of investment and, you know, the, the quality of, players we had in the squad at the time um, yeah I think obviously it was a correct change from the club's point of view and you know Alex coming in he was a breath of fresh air when he first came in it was uh, it was brilliant I was I was gonna uh, we'll, we'll get on to Alex in just a short moment and Cam I am gonna pile some misery on you before I talk about your uh, your 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 in my opinion best moments in yellow which of course were the crucial goals I want to talk about a goal that was disallowed and you're probably thinking why do you even still remember this i kid you not cam norwich fans are still angry at this to this day that overhead kick against crystal palace in the premier league was that the greatest goal you you never scored yeah definitely the greatest i've never scored yeah surely because even thinking back to it now i remember the ball coming across and sort of just reacting first i think it was joel ward the right back reacting first and managed to to get the first contact, you know, before he'd even been anywhere near the ball. Obviously, from I think that was to win through that would to put us ahead three two, wouldn't it? If if I remember correctly. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And you know, obviously going from jubilation thinking you've scored a goal and you know obviously the team had made a comeback that particular day. But then seeing it get disallowed, it was a bit like oh, I can't believe it. Because we had them I remember the game, we had the momentum the last 15, 20 games. Yeah. It yeah. was all us, you know what I mean? We managed to get back on level level power with them. And then, you know, obviously to, yeah, to get that disallowed is obviously like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a blow. Yeah, it was, because then, you know, you just never know, you know, it's, I mean, it's hindsight looking back now, but you start winning games early and all of a sudden the atmosphere changes, the confidence within yeah. the team, it's different. Yeah. You know, even for a striker, you know, you, you, you get off to a fly and score in the first yeah. game, all of a sudden you hit a bit of a form and, you know, yeah. it, everything just snowballs into that sort of thing. I know we won the next game after that, or the, was it Sunderland we won the next game after that, or was that before the game? I think, I think it was Sunderland. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, then it's two out of two, and then all of a sudden, like, the confidence is so high, the team are on the buzz, and, you know, you've got the early momentum, which normally a promoter team struggle to find, and that's probably why they find themselves languishing at the foot of the table. Uh, for long periods of the, the league because they can never get off to a good start. But yeah, that would have been obviously amazing for us to get off to a off to a fly like that. And even for me in a personal perspective. Yeah, oh absolutely. It was it was a special goal and it should have stood. And Norwich fans are still holding a grudge against the referee for that. So uh, just so you know, we're, we're we're still angry about it. Now let's move on to onto the lovely moments now, Cam, which I'm sure will 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 raise a will raise a smile. And um, I think these were your best goals in yellow. First of all, the playoff semi-final against Ipswich. You slotting it under the keeper, the Cam Jam salute to the Barkley. But before we talk about that specific goal, that day and the the occasion and the pressure, uh, did you know with that squad that you were going to do it? Or was there a sense of, oh my God, because that was the biggest derby for, for decades, mate. And yeah. I, I don't know how you just did it. To be honest with you, like, when I really felt we had the momentum was... I think it was one of the games we went up. I think we went up to Blackburn. We won 2-1. We was winning one. We was losing 1-0. It's a Tuesday night. I think I come off the bench and scored a winner. Bradley scored a screamer. Uh, Bradley Johnson to equalise. And uh, yeah, as always, shock, shock horror. <laughs> um, but it was just games that way. We, was, we just seemed to be in that sort of zone in that last period uh, of the season under Alex where we was just going to places where you might get a draw. You might get beat on a Tuesday night. And I think we went up to Bolton. 
on a Saturday, we won 1-0. Gary Hooper scored the winner, I think it was the 90th minute. Hoops, there it is. We played Leeds on the Tuesday night and we won 2-0. And it was just like, we're on a roll here. You know, we knew we had the momentum. It was a snowballing. We was winning. We was going away. We went to Millwall, beat them 5-0. You know, we was just going everywhere and winning, home, away. You know, it didn't matter whatever the opposition was sort of doing. Alex had a... He had an idea, he had a, a way of out thinking, out boxing them at that particular time. And, you know, he was utilising the squad really good as well. He was so, sort of saying, right, I know you've played this game and you've scored this goal, Cammy, but look, you're on the bench the next game and you sort of think to yourself, I can't believe he's dropping me. I've like, scored three and three, but he, he had a reason behind it. And the reason, his explanations was like justified, always. It was always justified. And you could always yeah. go, you know what? You might be a bit peed off to start with, but you can go. So, Cam, that's right then. Let me let me just interrupt you here, mate, before we then talk about that Ipswich goal. Let, let's let's just quickly divert to Alex Neal, because I think that's a really interesting point. You hear about players getting really frustrated when they're when they're obviously told that they're going on the bench or even potentially not even uh you know tra- traveling um to, to an away game, etc. But it sounds like to me, you actually had a tremendous amount of respect for Alex Neal, who uh, you know, to be honest with you, of course, when he came to Norwich, we were thinking, was this, was who is this guy? A lot of people were like, who, who is this guy? And yeah, I'm fascinated to understand from you what, what, what makes it um, okay, and how did Alex Neal manage that conversation with you, and what was your relationship like with him? Because as you say, he wasn't afraid to chop and change it. He was, a, he, he is a very fiery Scotsman. I'm sure the trolley went over at halftime many a time. So give us an insight into Alex Neal. Um, I, I thought Alex was fair to be honest with you. Like when he first came in, we was in a slump. He instantly got us out of that slump. Yeah, he, he had just with his tempo, the way he wanted to train, uh, his discipline and application around the training ground. You know, the lads was too loose. He was too airy fairy and a bit just getting on with things and just going through the motions. He came, he tightened the discipline up. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, like we said about the man management of players, because the games come Saturday, Tuesday, thick and fast. So he was really good at that. Um, and I thought communication. I thought it was quite. I just like honest people, and I thought I, he just come across like honest, honest, straight up. Yeah, yeah, straight up, and give you his reason for not playing you or playing you. And then if it was for playing, he'd say go out and do it. If it was for not playing, he'd say look, I'm not playing you because of this reason. And he'd go, well, I can't really argue with that. You know, you, you know, if it was a, a, a case of look, I'm resting you because I want to play next yeah. game. Yeah. Or playing this formation and it suits grabs better or it suits you know, like it just it was one of them ones where you could just go, you know what? You, you couldn't argue with it, you know, because we was winning games as well. So it always helps when the manager makes those decisions and the team still responds or you come on and score and it's like, Oh, well, yeah. I came on and scored anyway. So like yeah, it was he was yeah. right, you know what I mean? So it was just like, Yeah, I liked Alex. I did, I, I thought I had a good relationship with him, you know, he, he got a good tune out of me. Um, yeah. Well, he did straight away, Cam, didn't he? Because Bournemouth yeah. away. Bournemouth away. Let's talk about that day. Because didn't, didn't he come down and do a team tour when he wasn't meant to or something like that? And then, of yeah, course, he, you he scored. to watch the game in the stands. And then we went 1-0 down. I think Johnny Housen got sent off. We went 1-0 down. And um, I think it was Mike Phelan was taking the game. And Alex came straight in the, in the change rooms and just went, right, I'm taking over from here. So everyone was like, OK, this is not how it was supposed to go sort of thing. And is that right? You do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I was like, oh, uh, Gaffer should have played there. And he's just like, yeah, play off the left if you want. Because uh, I think it was me and Hoops. And he was asking Hoops to go to the left. And I was thinking, Hoops is it's not really going to run back, is it? It's not his game. No. But, <laughs> look, I said, Gaffer, I'll, I'll, I don't mind playing on the left, off the left, to be fair, for a little bit, just to weather the storm, because I think I'll probably trap back more than Hoops will. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, yeah, go ahead, do that. And then uh, obviously we got the goal. Was under the cosh, got the goal, and then it just from there it just snowballed. Like I said, you know, we just was getting result after result, and yeah, it worked. It worked quite well. And and, and a key thing that, that you're speaking about, it seems like you were fairly relaxed and you know not not complacent and not just sitting there, you know, taking the money as a lot of people say. But you were okay with being on the bench if it was for the greater good of the team. And now let's go back to that point against Ipswich, Cam. Those two playoff semi-final legs were gritty, hearty, Norwich City, like an absolute classic performance. And just that, that that second leg, we absolutely steamrolled them. And just just go, go into that day, go, tell me about the changing room before the match. And what, do you, I, I just don't understand why it was so easy, because that, that was Ipswich's moment of glory. I don't know how they messed it up that bad. Yeah, well, to be fair, the moment was, I thought they probably thought they could have got automatic. We did at a point. 
we thought we could have got up, mate. They was on a little bit of a run as well. They had the momentum, and I think they sort of died towards the end of the season. But the game I thought was important, crucial, was the away game where we did, like yeah. I said, it was a great performance. We went and got a one-one draw. And yeah. uh, there's the picture of you. There's the the great picture of you with Housen and, and Johnson running towards yeah. the fans. And that's the thing I thought that was their chance to lay one on us, basically. Down at their place, they had the crowd. They had everything they needed that day to go and beat us. But, yeah. like you say, great performance. Lads rolled the sleeves up. And we knew, getting them back to Carrow Road in front of our fans, it, game know, it was going to be one of them where it was, it was game on, you know what I mean? So, obviously, we got got them there. The game yeah. was a little bit tense, to be fair, because, obviously, at 1-1, anything can happen. They can make yeah. a goal. It was quite strong from set pieces that year. Yeah. Obviously, they had Murphy up front who scored a lot of goals and it was a big threat that year. And it was quite defensively sound as well. But once we got into a rhythm and started playing football, and got the first goal, more importantly, um, that was it. The pressure was off and it was just like, after that, like, we knew straight away, boom, that was it. We get the first goal, we'll, we'll beat these, we'll get two or three. Oh. And it, you know, it turned out to be, I think they got a goal, actually. Did, did they score after? They scored yeah, goals, yeah, they did, they? yeah. From the set piece around the back and that was a sloppy goal, actually. And then obviously afterwards, we got the um, the penalty, which was, uh, oh. he'll, say, he'll say he meant oh. it. I'm sure he'll say him, isn't it? But no ways. I, I don't know if he ever knew where he was kicking penalties, ways to be fair. But uh, <laughs> honestly, honestly, he, he was a bit of a curly one, like down the middle, but not down the middle to the right, but not to the right. But, who cares? Don't spoil yeah, the yeah. He meant it. He meant it. Yeah, where's meant it? Of course. Now, so uh, that was obviously a big relief, you know, to, to obviously get that goal. And obviously, to go and get the third it was just the icing the cake. You know, nice team move. And obviously, me coming out, I just fancied it more than the goalie, you know, I just thought to myself, well, if he's going to potentially beat me to it, it's going to have to hurt me to get there. So, you know, obviously, I, I turned on afterburners and I slipped it under him. I thought, happy days, buzzing 3-1, we're at Wembley. Cheers. When you, when you, <laughs> I love that line, that's brilliant. And I, I'm going to slightly disagree with you though, Cam, because you, you said the Ipswich have a crowd. They, they don't have a crowd, so they didn't have that advantage. And what I would say, what I do really want to ask you, Cam, is when you score that goal against Ipswich, why I really want to get into the, uh, the dynamics of celebrations, right? Because you've just scored in the playoff semi-final in a derby, the biggest derby for decades, and you, cool as cucumber, deadpan, straight face, to the Barkley, give it the cam jam salute. I would have been, I would have been half naked in, in the snake. <laughs> how, how how did you stay so calm? Do you know what it was? I think it's like, I never really planned celebrations, honestly, right? And everyone always said to me, oh, why don't you come up with a celebration? And I was like, it's just, it's that feeling at the moment. It was a feeling of relief. It was a feeling of like, yeah, you know, like, it's like, it was almost like the pressure's off. Like, that was the third goal. That was a nail in the coffin. The ball had ran through. I just slipped it under. I probably couldn't have, I, I sort of hurled with him, I think, after to jump over him. Yeah, thought, you did. Yeah, you did. I've got nowhere else to really go because that was momentum. So I was just like, you know what? Salute the fans. There we go. See yeah. you at Wembley. See you later. <laughs> Mate, so. I just, oh, honestly, and 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 you've you perfectly teed me up there. The, the next moment for me was Wembley. And I'm going to ask you a, a, an honest question straight away. Do you realise just just how much of an iconic moment that was for our club in its entire history. Do you, like, do you realise just how special your goal was? You know what? I've been... At the time, no. You don't. You just think it's a game. It's us versus Middlesbrough. Winner takes all. Everything's on the line. You've got to win the game. That's all you're thinking. You've got to win it. You've got to win it. You've got to win it. Having stepped away from that game a few years later, still speaking to people... Obviously, people still remembering the day, and it's just like, wow, it was a, a special occasion. You know, it's like you was a part of that. You, was, you know, that's iconic. That's going to be with people forever. People are going to be talking about that goal forever. You, the first person to score at Wembley for Norwich, is just like, wow. And I was, and I was reliably informed actually, Cam, when I when I spoke to someone about this that um, we actually, obviously, we we beat Sunderland in the in the Milk Cup final, right? And no goal. But that was an own goal. So you yeah. were you you were the first Norwich player to score at Wembley. Like that that's that's just that's such an achievement, mate. And I just 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 talk me through, right? Give us an insight because um Declan we had Declan Rudd on and Declan spoke about said the songs, uh, you know, actually saying a prayer before the boys went out, which was incredibly special. Yeah. That, what, I'll, I'll never forget that. That's something I'll I'll actually never ever forget. Really? Why? Yeah. What what was so special about that? It's just different because in football 
it's macho, it's adrenaline, it's masculine, it's all these macho sort of things where you you want to get pumped, you want to get hyped for the game, you're bouncing, you've got music on, you've got your maybe someone sat in the corner with a favourite song, you've got your rituals you're going through. And it was just like, a, it was almost like a calming, soothing moment, you know, like whereas normally someone would give a speech and it would be like, a speech to get you pumped. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just that, it was just total opposite. So it like threw everyone a little bit because Seb was a very, very strong character, very strong. And he'd come back in the January, having been at Watford for the first half, and he was brilliant. He was absolutely yeah. brilliant for us. And um, I don't think he got the credit he, he deserved really towards the back end of that part. Mm. And um, yeah, it was, it was, it was weird because he, you know, he just come out of it out of nowhere. It was honestly out of the blue. And it was just like, wow, like we've got to go and win this game. You know what I mean? Oh, it was just like it was so nice to to, to, to do something different, I suppose. Yeah. As to the the old macho, you know, jumping around, high five, slapping, and someone giving a, you know, a war a war. Rally. war okay. <laughs> you know so, I mean? so talk to me about the the build up to that uh, Cam, because Middlesbrough tonked us that season comfortably, and was it was it a case of re- redemption on your mind? Like, did did were did you execute the game plan to perfection or was it just paradise on the pitch and it all just unfolded for you? Because that day, I remember Whitaker turned into a prime Iniesta, like just out, like out of nowhere and and just everything was clicking. So what, what went into the build-up of the game and what were your instructions? You know what it was, right? Another thing where I give the gaffer credit for Alex at the time, we had the semi-finals and after the semi-finals, we went down to Wembley the next day. A week the next before. Day. Yeah, we went down there. We went and stayed uh, at the Grove Hotel. Right. We stayed there. Uh, we went to have a look around Wembley, walk around it for people who had not played there before and stuff like that. And said, right, look, your family and friends will be sat here. This is, you know, where we're going to be, you know, where to look out for everybody. So we was having a look around and had a little walk on the pitch a week before. Then we went to like a spa day. The gaffer gave us a chance to have a spa or if people want to play golf, play golf, had a bit of dinner together. So we had a team bonding no one knew about down in London. And we had a couple of days with the squad. We went back up, we prepared for the game. So our preparation was just incredible. Yeah. Attention to detail from, you know, even from like, I think Ricky Martin, the technical director, sorted everything out. The gaffer sorted everything out. So we had nothing to worry about going into that weekend where literally we stayed at the Hilton Wembley across the road. Yeah. Middlesbrough Middlesbrough booked the Grove. And their preparation was a total opposite. They got there late because of traffic. We got there in plenty of time to spare, relaxed, had our warm-up. Obviously, we had a game plan. And like you said before, they, they'd beaten us twice that season. They beat us 4-0 up at their place and 1-0 um, at Carrow Road. So that was one of them ones where we was like, oh, all right, were not bad. Were you dreading? Bad. Were you worried going to that, that playoff final? Oh, be honest with me, were you worried? Nah, honestly, right, I'll be honestly, hand and heart, I can say I knew he was going to win. Honestly, honestly, we, we knew he was going to win the game. It, it just got to that point where we... We knew we was going to get over the line, whether it was automatic. We was chasing hard for that. The Middlesbrough game was the probably one thing what stopped us getting automatic. If we win them, I think we'd have got automatic. Um, we didn't, but we recovered well. We recovered really well from that. Gaffer was calm. The players was calm. We just thought, right, it's the playoffs. The playoffs it is. Who are we going to get? All right, we ended up getting Ipswich. No problem. Derby game. Cool. We'll take them over too. There we go. See you later. I love how cool and calm you are, mate. Just get out of the way. Get, get out, out of the way. way. You know what I mean? And then obviously down to Wembley. Then, you know, we just, on the day, we, just, we was in that moment. We was in that zone playing good football. And, and obviously we started the game really well. Keeping the ball. We had a couple of early chances. Bradley hit the bar. They went up yeah. and hit the bar. It was like, wow. Yeah. And then obviously Danny uh, Ayala makes the mistake. I nip in and, and, and obviously score the the first goal, which is just like pressure off then. And, mate, you know, I've that, been... I've honestly never been part of such a special occasion, like following Norwich. I mean, I mean, my, my two favourite moments, and, and let us know if you're watching this on YouTube, let us know in the comments what your favourite Cameron Jerome moment was, as well as Norwich moment. My my best Norwich moment was 5-1 away at Portman Road. And then that game at Wembley was just, in, it was just insane. And you, you speak there, you said Danny Ayala, Danny Ayala makes a mistake. No, 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 Cameron. You stole the ball off him. Come on, let's let's make let's make this right, okay? But what I really want to know is, and I've and I watched it back ferociously before this podcast. 
you were you you were homed in on on scoring that, and you were homed in on beating the keeper at, at, at his near post, right? But most other strikers, they're cutting that back all day long. Did you? Was that just instinctive? At the time, as a you know, obviously it dilly dallied on the ball. I'd nicked in, and I'm at the angle where it's if I take a, a, a touch to try and put it in the far corner. The defenders will come on to you. Someone's yeah. going to come on to me. So I'm thinking, right, cut it back. So I'm in the box instantly. I'm thinking, right, look for a cutback. I'm looking. I'm seeing Wes. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I can pass you it don't clean enough. Wes is there screaming at me. And I'm thinking, I can see his line, but he ain't got the angle to shoot. So I'm thinking, right, drive, keep driving, keep driving. So I'm looking all the time down and, and the narrowest of angles. And I'm thinking, the keeper's leaving this open here. He's not covered his new post. He's not come across properly. So I kept on driving, driving, driving in took three, I think, three big touches or three or four touches. And then I'm thinking, I'm just going to have to hit this in the near post. I can't try and go into the far post because I've not got my body set at the right angle. But he's left such a gap at the near post. And I was just like, I'm just going to just nick this in the near post. And obviously, he'd not co covered it or thought I'm even going to do that. Maybe he was thinking, is he going to cut it back? Yeah. Why is he running at this angle? Because it doesn't look it doesn't look like a natural angle to shoot. And it probably no. wasn't. To no, it wasn't. Before. It wasn't. A, a better option didn't sort of you know, happened for me within the three or four touches. So, I, you know, I was just thinking, right, I'm just I'm putting this in the in the back of the net here. Simple as. You know, I just, I mean, obviously, he left the he left the, the gap, and obviously, I slotted it in, and I, you know, the ball come back out, and I think I kicked it away again. But the, the celebration was because we come round the, the side of the Middlesbrough fans. They were smashing the bus to pieces with bottles and, um, you know, bricks and throwing everything at the coach and our journey in. So I was just like, all right, pipe, pipe down now. Let's just you know have a little bit of respect. You know what I mean? Calm down. We're one up. We're, we're, we're one up here. Like I, I'm not sure I'm gonna hear you again. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that, Wait, that, I that was Wait, I was gonna ask you about that exact moment. Why you shushed them? And 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 actually, you know, my experience as a supporter, it's interesting to get your your point as a player, but as fans, Norwich fans, a lot of a lot of the Norwich fans were so annoyed at the arrogance of Middlesbrough. They were so blase. Oh, we'll turn you over. We'll smash you. We're Premier League. We've done it already. Walking in, the fans were getting grief. Norwich fans are, are just, you know, they're, they're all top class. So we were just there for the occasion and there to enjoy it. And yeah. they were they were like the bullies in the playground. They they yeah. thought they could bully us. And then, of course, Cam Jam comes and shushes them. What a moment. But I, I felt that as well. I felt like I felt like they, as a team, would beat these twice. We just need to turn up and we beat these again psychologically from their part, and obviously from the hostile sort of. And I mean, the hotel's probably like two minutes away. It took us twenty-five minutes to get through because they were outside with flares, there were bottles with bricks, smashing the coats to pieces, and we're just thinking, "Wow, are we in England here!" Like seriously, all right, there's a difference between fans, you know, yeah. having a bit of banter and stuff like that. But you know, fans was like, you know, flashing. You have kids there doing things and adults letting kids do things and we're yeah. just thinking that's like a bit bizarre but anyway did that not motivate you though mate did we, like if you're getting bricks and stuff thrown at the bus does I that motivate did. you I think, did. Actually, I think it, it put like all right we'll show you sort of attitude inside the players even you know not like we needed that anyway but it was just like maybe that i don't know maybe it was an extra five percent ten percent so that, that's why i i was doing that yeah there was being a rowdy mob Love that. Love that. I was just like alright look shh, you're not going to be speaking anymore because we're going to win this game simple let's just have a little bit of quiet over in that side of the stadium let the yellow fans have their fun over here and we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll party on you know what I mean <laughs> I want to ask you about um, that occasion with Norwich fans now because the atmosphere that day was just beautiful emotional you know just, just crazy it, it just felt like a dream from start to finish what was it like being on the, the, the Wembley balcony with the Norfolk Cafu lifting that trophy. I mean, I was in the I was in the crowd crying, bawling. My missus told me off. She said, what are you crying for? And went, Ross has lifted the trophy. But what was it like for you being there and just seeing that you had the best seat in the house to see that sea of yellow and green? Like, what was that like? Yeah, it's special, man. Honestly, it's like, you, you probably don't realise it at the time. You're just in that moment and the adrenaline's still pumping. But even just walking up the Wembley stairs, you're walking up there and you're thinking, Oh my god! Yeah, we're going up. We're getting a medal. Like we're getting a medal. We're getting a trophy. We're going up there. You know, you get up there, and then it's like really tight and not much space, and you're sort of yeah. like jostling for like a position. You're thinking, 
I want to be next, next to Russ. I want to try and get there. And I think <laughs> probably trying to elbow Wes out. Wes, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, trying to get there. And Seb, big Seb's there and big Johnny. Like, oh, maybe I should, like, fall back out. These guys yeah. went first, you know what I mean? So, now it was, it was amazing, honestly. Just going up there and, obviously, just the, the whole, like, sort of anticipation of lifting the trophy. And it's just like, you know, you play with the fans and you just, you know, everyone's there together. And it's just like, this, it's just like euphoria, you know, just like, boom. Right. We're there. So good, mate. And 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 something that I am going to ask you about now. How was the after party at the Hilton? You know what? Like, I didn't stay long to be honest with you. Like, I, and people probably think, oh, that's boring or why not? But I, you know, I was so knackered, tired. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. Back off, you know, with my missus. You know, we, we yeah. literally we we stayed for a little bit. We celebrated. I seen a couple of friends. Obviously, with the lads, I had a few drinks with the boys, and then. We was going. We was going holiday next day. So like, uh, yeah, I was I mean, that confident we was going to win. I put my holiday. So we was. As you say, we, John, I'm get out of the way. I'm in the yes. premier on holiday. It was on holiday, yeah. So that was it then. And then obviously, you know, back back where the club belonged. You know, we we done our job. That was it. A sense of like relief. And then we get to where we belong, and you know, you scored some some great goals, mate. Um, you know, someone reminded me recently of the one where you flicked it in between your legs as well, Gianfranco Zola style. But I don't want to talk about that one, even though that one was special. The last goal I want to talk about is your your goal against Manchester United at Old Trafford. Of course, the goal that actually doesn't get enough credit because, of course, that was the day that we had the Tete toe poke, right? Yeah. What, what was the changing room like after that? You go to Old Trafford and you beat them 2-0. What was the changing room like? Um, oh, I was massive. Like to obviously to go. I put it in this way: like I've always played in teams where I've struggled in the Premier League, so I've never played in a team where we've been really comfortable. Don't be wrong; I've been at Stoke where we finished tenth, Birmingham we finished ninth, and but them sort of teams, I always feel like in the squad is a sense of oh, we're getting beat here today. You know what I mean? Like maybe not individually. But as a group, there's always that sense of like people don't sense the opportunity to win or think we were really, really got a chance. You know what I mean? You know, like the Premier League is now, right? I'll put it this way. The Premier League is now, I think it's so open. Anyone can beat anyone. And I think really believe a lot of them teams at the bottom believe they can beat the top teams now. Whereas before it was, you went to Man City, you knew you was in for trouble. You yeah. went to Arsenal in their prime when Arsenal had their prime players. Using for trouble, you went to Stamford Bridge. Using for a hiding, all these places you went, using for a hiding. The only places you probably got a little bit of change out of was maybe Everton, maybe Tottenham. Yeah, you know when it wasn't so as good as they are now, and that was it. The rest of them was like it's almost a given. The only chance you had was at home. So going away to Old Trafford, beating them two one, it's just like wow. You know we've just beat Man United on their patch. You know what I mean? I played really well, by the way. Not just beat them and nicked it. We've played really, really well. Yeah. I mean, Tete got lucky with his toe poke, but we'll, we'll, we won't say too much about that. It was a, mate, it's a, it's a very, very well-taken goal under a lot of pressure. And I remember you running running at it, almost like a bit of a funny angle, because you knew it was Carrick that was over your left shoulder at the time, possibly. Yeah, back. Probably back, and, yeah. yeah and I remember thinking, cool, blimey, is he going to do it? And he did it, so fair play, mate. And um, what I want to ask you now is I want to talk about the, the players in that squad. And I want to ask you, what was who was the midfielder that you linked up the best with, do you think, in that squad? Was it Johnson? Was it Howson? Was it Dorans? Was it Redmond? What player did you most enjoy, you know, playing with in terms of midfield? Um, what, would you put Wes as a midfielder or an attacker? Would you say he was an attacker? Yeah, I would, yeah. I'd say, well, I'd say what you play Wes anywhere. And he'll do well, even in goal. <laughs> I don't know about in goal, to be fair. I'm not sure I'm doing goal. Maybe five-a-side goals, yeah, no way, though. But nah, it, it, why Wes though? What 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 made what made it so fun playing with Wes? We complimented each other. Like he wanted space. Wes needed space around him. Um, I created that by being a threat. You know, simply you know using my pace, power, yeah, pace, power, threatening behind. It automatically puts the fear of God in defenders. So they drop ten yards. All of a sudden, Wes Wes has got ten yards extra space that took work off. We have players in midfield who you know like Johnny House and. Uh, Graham Dorans, Alex Tete, all they've got to do is pass the ball to Wes. He's always making good angles. He'll take the ball under pressure, no problem. He'll twist and turn and manoeuvre his way out of positions. And then all of a sudden, he's on the front foot. And then you're thinking, well, I've got someone who can pass me the ball. He's brave enough to pass me the ball. And he will pass me the ball. So, you know, for that perspective, for me, it's just like, wow, I know exactly what he's going to do. He knows what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to create him space, is going to get space, and then he's either going to go and create a chance for someone else or create a chance for me potentially. So, was that Alex Neal's? Uh, was that Alex Neal's tactic tactics board? Was that on the board? It just literally just said just pass it to Wes. That was it. Full stop. Uh, if it went on there, I'm sure he was thinking that. Oh, I'm sure he even probably said that. Hey, look, you. When you get it, keep it simple. Give it to Wes. Our big man, get hold of it. Drop it back to Wes. You know what I mean? So yeah, nah. He was. He just knew as a player, like obviously Nathan, another player. You give it to him, and when he's on his game. Outright yeah. 1v1 is going to yeah. make something happen. You know what I mean? Bradley Bradley was more the sense where I thought he didn't get a chance to be honest with you in the Premier League. It was a little bit, I, I was so surprised, but I was a little bit, you know, angry the club sold him sort of thing for the, for the, um, as they got promoted. But Alex Neil explained the situation and why they sold him later. Uh, what do you so, say? The club had no money. They had no money. People automatically think when you get promoted, to the Premier League, you get 150 million pounds deposited into about the next day. It doesn't work like that. You get maybe 10, 15, 20 as a down payment. Then the next you get as a down payment in January. Then the next, um, you know, it's in installments and it's over a period of time. And it's, you know, through commercial things and all these sort of things. So the club didn't have cash ready available to go out and strengthen the squad. So they thought, well, we've got this bid for a player who we think it represents good value for us, so we should do it. But it hurt you, boys, because we've... Look, John Ruddy spoke about how he kicked off in the canteen. Russ was trying to literally stop the move from happening. You know, that, that was a real kind of sword, sword in your heart, really, wasn't it? And did you yeah, think- it, it was a dagger blow because Brad that season scored 16 goals for midfield. Like, who does Damn. that? And then gets sold. It's like, wow. And it's like... Surely he deserves a chance to be a part of this as well. He was just as in- instrumental as anyone else in that team, getting the team promoted. So everyone else has been given the chance to yeah. be able to go and play in the Premier League. Why can't he? You know what I mean? So it was a bit, it was a yeah. bit of a, it was a dagger in the heart, to be fair. And I, you know, the boys was not happy whatsoever. I mean, I, I, think, I remember we was going to St. George's Park. We was at St. George's Park and um, Derby was playing. I think it was his first game and Brad scored. And I was sat at the back of the bus and I must have shouted down, see, I knew we shouldn't have sold him. And then I think it was the gaffer turned around and said, shut up or you'll be next. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> that, that can go down well. But yeah, it, but, it was uh, just that sense of like, yeah. you know, like why have you sold him? Look, he's just gone and scored on his debut for Derby. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's just, yeah, he gonna repl- who are you going to replace him with? Like, not, not, this not, not being disrespectful, you, you, you got Yusuf Malumbu in a free transfer who's a defensive midfielder who doesn't affect the game like Bradley Johnson you know in my opinion I'm not disrespecting Yusuf because he's a lovely guy and he's an effective yeah. footballer and he's an experienced footballer yeah. but he's just a, we didn't have that player Bradley was that mm-hmm. player he can play off the left he can play in midfield he can play as a second striker he scored goals you get me he's out of the out ball to like you know win. it's that natural aggression what he had as well as his yeah. quality as a footballer and the, around the players the lads respected him the lads liked him you know yeah. it was just yeah for me it was a strange one so, so while whilst we're talking about some frustrations Cam what, if you could go back and relive your time at Norwich City, what would you do differently? And, and do you have any regrets? Do you wish you'd said something to someone? Do you wish that you'd done something differently? Um, I wouldn't say I have any, I have any regrets. But so the only regret I probably had was leaving when I left. I shouldn't have really maybe gone, but I'd say forced to move to Derby, but I wouldn't have pursued it as much as I potentially did. But obviously I had the reasoning for doing that. And, uh, you know, obviously you live and, la- and die by your decisions mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. I've always been quite impulsive as a person and I think all my moves have been quite impulsive in my career and looking back at things, I mean, I was speaking to someone about it not so long ago and he was saying, you know, when you when you make impulsive decisions, do you make the right ones? And I'm like, well, I've done all right. I was like, you know what I mean? I can't really complain, but yeah. things I look back at with regret and thinking... So you just regret leaving Norwich, basically? I think so, yeah, because I think when I wanted to leave was in the summer when obviously the whole sort of change was happening, the upheaval of players was leaving. Yeah. And that was the time I wanted to leave. Um, I had a reasoning for that. But, you know, obviously I, I wanted to, I, you know, I'll, I'll say it straight away. I wanted to move back up north. My, my missus wasn't happy. Yes. Uh, my, li- my little boy was struggling. So for me, it was like, wow. you know, for a family perspective, nothing to do with the club. Um, yeah, I wanted to move up north. I wanted to go back home. And obviously I, I'd spoken with a gaffer at Derby. He was keen to do it then. Um, Norwich wanted a lot of money. For me at the yeah, time, uh, to get to the amount what they wanted, and the move never materialised. So that was a bit disappointing. Uh, obviously, Daniel coming in and changing things slightly, and 
the club wanted to go a little bit younger and stuff. Mm-hmm. Not that it was affecting me directly because I was still going to be a part of the squad and I still was a part of the squad when I was fit, when Daniel was there. Um, and I said to him, look, it's nothing to do with you as a, as a coach. I like you. I think your, your style's refreshing. I wish I worked with you when I was younger. That was actually my, my sort of saying to Daniel at the time. Uh, obviously, Derby came in January with Cardiff and a few other teams, uh, but having played for Cardiff already and because I was so... Um, set of moving back north I just yeah. went to Derby I went you know I'll say it openly again I mean I went there and I had 18 months left at Norwich on better money a lot better money I took less money to go to Derby I took less time on my contract to go to Derby because you know sometimes yeah for your family sometimes them sort of things don't matter you know what I mean and you, you you started to speak about him there, uh, Cam, Daniel Farker. So Daniel Farker comes in and I really want to ask you something quite direct, actually. And this is just through conversations that we've had with, with Wes and Russ when they did the live podcast with us. They were saying that, in short, the experienced players were not, not necessarily treated differently, but it was quite clear that Daniel, rightly or wrongly, depending on what you think, he wanted to have a younger squad at the time, as a supporter, I remember being actually quite frustrated because I was thinking, we need players like Wes on the bus. You know, what a player to have with you and that sort of experience. But he went really cold turkey in his first season and made some big shifts. Did, did it frustrate you at the time or, or did you uh, – basically, what was your relationship like with Daniel Farker? Let's, let's not be around the bush. <laughs> it, was, it was Honestly, I – Say this hand and heart again, openly and honestly. It was good. Daniel was all right with me. It was perfect. Yeah. Never had a problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, he said to me, beginning of the season, he sat me down with me and Nelson away at Fulham. He said, like, I've got two strikers. I normally work with one striker and have a backup one. You're both good quality strikers. You're going to have to rotate and chop and change. I bet he wished. I bet he wished he'd played uh, you instead of Nelson that day, mate. No, I played. I played. Nelson come on and, and took his top off and threw it at the manager. Yeah, when he exactly. <laughs> so uh, I played the game because the guy said, like, "Look, I'm going with your experience tomorrow," and, yeah. and that was that. Nelson didn't see it quite the same. Um, <laughs> but that was that was. I mean, it was just one of the things. Daniel was good. Honestly, the training was different. It was so yeah. different to what we mm-hmm. had. Um, it was good, but you know, in my mind, I, I was thinking. Your mind was made. My mind was made, but would sold Graham Dorans, would sold Johnny Housen, would sold Redmond. To, um, you know, we had good players, Madison, nothing wrong. He had potential, but he'd not played at that level. So you can't, yeah. it's easy to say now, oh, yeah, he was a good player. Of course he was a good player in training. He could have played when yeah. Alex was there. You know, of course, um, Richard, <laughs> he could have played the, the year before when Alex was there, he could have played more. He did towards the end of the season under Alan Irvine. But I mean, he, he left, Alex Pritchard left, didn't he, to go to New- Huddersfield. Yeah, uh, Russ was sort of getting pushed to the side. Uh, Wes was getting pushed to the side. I wasn't necessarily getting pushed to the side, not in the sense of, oh, it, it was fine because I wasn't, but it was just different. The club had a different direction they was clearly wanting to go in. It was a rebuilding yeah. process, and that was yeah. probably what was explained to the fans at the time. So I was thinking, well, I'm 20, 30, I think at the time, 31. Do I want to be part of a rebuilding process and be around? Don't be wrong, I'm not old. I'm still fit. But do we have the quality? Do I see us challenging? No, simple as that. The answer was no at that particular point. Who would have saw it? I don't think anyone in yeah. who's no, a sensible, honest person would have said, yeah, Norwich should get promoted within two years of, of Daniel being in the club. Not yeah. a chance. He probably doesn't think that as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I wanted to. that's another part of wanting to, to sort of go to somewhere where I thought I had a better chance of getting promoted. Yeah. And obviously that was the Derby thing. But Daniel was wicked. I mean, when yeah. I did finally leave, he said, look, it's up to you. If you don't want to go, don't go. And, I said, look, I think it's something I want to try. And he said, look, I will not stand in your way. Uh, respect your wishes. Stuart said the same thing at the time. He said, look, if you can go this time. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to stand in your way. So I said, that's fine. I, I do respect you for, for honoring yeah. your, your word sort of thing. And we left on a, an amical sort of level. Good. So it was Good. it was good, but I sort of left that that, that, that way because in in August, it was not as nice, to be honest with you. But... Okay. Yeah, this happens, isn't it? At football, sometimes you just you just, you just get on with it. You, you just crack yeah. on, and you know what I mean. It's just sometimes it yeah. works out for you, and sometimes it doesn't. I, I really appreciate your honesty, and and Cam, let, let's talk about what's going on more or less right now. Before we do MK Dons, you went to Turkey, and at the time, everyone went, "What the hell is he going to Turkey for?" But what was it like playing there? The atmosphere, the like the supporters there. Is it as crazy as it as it looks on telly? Oh, absolutely, Amar. Honestly. It, it was a bizarre one to be fair. It came up quite quick. 
Um, I, again, I'll be honest with you, it was, I was at Derby, I'd gone there, the manager came in, he changed, Frank Lampard changed. Uh, one minute he told me, you're going to be the, the main striker, five weeks later, for whatever reason, I don't know what he's seen or heard or decided I wasn't going to be. So, Derby rejected bids from Forest, West Brom, um, wow. Sheffield United. So, I was just like, well, where am I supposed to go? I'm not going to sit here and not play. Yeah, yeah. I'm a player who likes to play. So the, the owner said, look, if you go uh, out of the country, then we'd let you go for cheaper and we'd, we won't sell you categorically or let you go to a promotional rival. So I was just like, well, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to sit here and take your money. So I'll just go and try something different. I went there. It was fantastic. Um, great experience. Really, really crazy. It is as hostile as you say. Um, winning away there is non-existent. Because of the fans, it's just like so intimidating going to the places. But it's fun. They love football. They're passionate yeah. people. They yeah. welcome me to the city with open arms. Uh, everybody, uh, when I was there, helped me as much and in any way as possibly they could. So it was fantastic. It was somewhat different. I'd always wanted to go abroad, to be fair. So that was... Right, yeah. yeah, it was something to try, something different. You know, like, I mean, I had China and places like that. And I thought, I don't want to go 13, 14 hours away and live in China. And I thought, Turkey's not so far. It's sort of even for that dough, Cam, in China. There's a lot of money in China. Yeah, no, no, but, but you've got <laughs> to think of like, are you going to be happy there, realistically? And yeah, I don't understand how people can honestly say, yeah, hand and heart, I'm happy in China. All right, you've got a nice life because you've got a lot of money, but not really happy. Let's be honest, you know what I mean? So Turkey was something came across. It was brilliant, honestly. The weather was fantastic. The kids yeah. learned a different experience. They went to an international school. We oh. was by the beach, you know, like this. Nice, perfect, honestly, but. Things are not done over there as correct as they should be. And it's a shame because it has the potential to be a really good place for people to go and play football. But unfortunately, it's just not got infrastructure as somewhere as England. And, sure. You know, yeah, that was that really. But Well, it sounds like you've had fun. And of course, you're now having more fun um, because you're back with the Norfolk Cafu. What is it like working under a gaffer that you've played with at MK Dons? What, what's that experience been like so far? Yeah, it's still pretty strange, honestly. It is, is it? Like, sometimes I'm thinking, are we formally? Shall I call him Gaffer or shall I... Do you call him Gaffer? No, no, I call him Gaffer because, like, he's the boss. You know, you, it's like, a, it's ranking, isn't it? Like, you know, if you're in the army, for example, and you're a soldier, you don't go to the general and go, all right, Steve, all right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you call him general. It's a respect. It's a respect yeah. thing. You know, even all my old managers, I still, I, I'd refer to them as my Gaffer because yeah. that's just the, the relationship yeah. we have with him. So, yeah, I mean... It, he called me up in the summer and he's just like, look, what are you doing? I'm just like, oh, I'm still sort of waiting for one or two people to sort of see if they can sort of get one or two players out of the door before they try and get another one in sort of thing. And obviously with, with the age and being out of the country for a couple of years and COVID, people were sort of like, mm, not quite sure what right. his motive is. So Russ was like, look, come on, play some football. Come down here, help me out. We've got a good, young, vibrant squad, a lot of potential. Uh, you'll play games, you'll score goals, you'll enjoy yourself, you'll have a smile on your face. Come and do it. So I was just like, you know what, Russ? Yeah, I'm going to come. So, coming down, obviously, it took me a couple of games to get, well, I say a couple of games, I'm still getting fit because I didn't do a pre-season and stuff like that. So, it's just nice. It's just, it's nice to be a part of something what you appreciated um, for what you do. Obviously, the gaffer obviously knows my skills, my yeah. qualities, my personality and stuff like that. He knows I want to play football as, as long as I can play. I feel fit now. I'm strong. I've not lost any of my attributes and I've still got that hunger and desire to play and prove people I can still do it at, at whatever level. So, um, yeah, that was it. And obviously, seeing the gaffer work, it's just like, wow, I can't believe he's transitioned from the playing to the management so quick and so effectively. You know, it's like, wow, where did that come from? Obviously, we knew Russell was an, a, a born leader, you know, yes. obviously being the captain at Norwich and stuff like that. We knew he had them sort of qualities anyway and he was always keen to sort of get into coaching. So it w was only going to be a, a matter of when, not if, sort of thing with him. So, do, you think, do you think he'll manage Norwich one day, Cam? 100%. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think, I, I, to be fair, I won't say what I was going to say next, but yeah, I, I think he will. In my opinion, I think he will. I think it's a perfect fit. I think, like any sort of player who has a special rapport with, with an ex-club, it's always written in the stars, isn't it, really? You can, you've can you seen it in, with Frank Lampard. You'll see it with Steven Gerrard. You'll yeah. see it with Ryan. You'll probably see it with Ryan Giggs or one of the, you know, the ex-sort of players at United one day. You'll see, it happens. And uh, he's just got to go and prove himself 
and reinvent yeah. himself as a manager. He's starting at the bottom, so he's got yeah. obviously earned that right first. But yeah. yeah, in my opinion, I think he will earn that right. I think he will be a top, uh, top, top manager. I think he will. I think Russ is going one way to be honest with you, and that's 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 to the top. I love that. I absolutely love that. And look, I've told him under, he's under very strict instructions that he's, as long as he beats Ipswich Town, then I'll be happy. And uh, you, you've you've got to make sure that you do that for us, Cam. All right? Yeah. No worries. Um, that shouldn't be a problem. No, no knowing those boys in blue. Easy, quick little slap around the face. Jobs are good. And Cam, l- l- lastly, obviously, there's 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 thousands of, of Norwich fans watching and, and listening to this right now around the world. Do you have a message for them at all? Uh, one message on the ball, city. <laughs> there you go. Simple as that. On, on the, the ball. ball. See you later. Jobs are good. <laughs> very much, Cam. Thanks so much for coming. I really appreciate it. No I just wanted to say thank you. To you for coming on and and don't forget everyone that, that that's watching and listening to this right now go over to youtube and subscribe we only we're so close to twenty thousand subscribers now on youtube so make sure you get that done and Tuna's cam's already said it i'll say it as well on the ball city thanks cam cheers guys thank you very much Good luck. <laughs>